Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay. Welcome to Tuesday night Torah study, everybody. See, how many people think it's a little hot in this room? Okay. I get a, I, I get a, vo- a vote or two for it being a little hot in this room, so I'm going to turn the thing down a little bit. You didn't see me do that. Okay, good. So, uh, let me open in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for all that was accomplished today. Thanks for the changes around here. Thanks for everybody that's willing to help. Um, thank you for your Torah. Thank you for the section that we're studying and how, how uh, interesting and um, exciting it is. I'd ask that you'd be with us tonight as we discuss the life of Joseph and the things that happened to him and uh, things we can learn from that. And um, just guide our conversation. Help us to... Um, help us to listen for your leading and help us to listen to each other and help us to walk away a little bit uh, with a little bit more knowledge of how you want us to uh, behave, how you'd like us to obey, and how much you love us. In Yahushua's name, amen. So, last week, I thought, it's all, I like this review thing because it's good to get us back to, in the track of what we were thinking. Last week, we ended up with Joseph telling, interpreting the dreams for the baker and the cupbearer, Pharaoh's baker and Pharaoh's cupbearer. And they had similar dreams, it would appear, except that um, the cupbearer's dream was that um, he was going to be reinstated to his position after three days. And Joseph said at the time, this was in chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40, he said, um, verse, chapter 40, verse 14, Joseph says to the cupbearer, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. So it shows you that even after all this time, Joseph is not, has not forgotten his situation and he still has a clear head in terms of his position and, and what's going on. And then, of course, I pointed out at verse 23 in that chapter, the last verse in the chapter, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph but forgot him. So I thought that was kind of a sad thing. Marvin. It's real interesting that he, he told him to tell the Pharaoh, because Pharaoh just doesn't talk to just anybody. That's, that's true. And so it's interesting that he did that. That's a good point. That's a good point. Not only did he forget him, but over two years it passed. Well, and, that's the beginning of this next oh, chapter. Sorry. That's sorry. okay. I mean, he forgot him. Yeah. And, and one other thing. How would you have liked to have been the uh, chief baker? You oh, find no out that 
three days from now, your head's going to oh, be yeah, off. Yeah. I don't think I would have slept well for No, I think the baker was a little bit irritated. I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah, my comment was on that, that he's not afraid to, to tell someone the bad news. Yeah, and you'll also notice, and like we'll find the, this, yep. With a report to his, his father and stuff yep. like that. And, yep. and to, to Farrell. Yep. Mark. I bet, both, I bet both of those people thought, yeah, sure, that's really that's going to happen. Yeah. And so yeah. when the, the cupbearer... Whenever that one came to pass, yeah. I, be, I bet the baker was scared. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yep, yep. Yeah, I was just th thinking about that, too, because the chief baker, he saw, it says he saw the interpretation was good for the other yeah. guy. Yeah. He said, hey, what about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that well, not so good. going to hang. Yeah. Now, it was interesting. It was interesting. The other thing we notice is that uh, Joseph always gives credit to God for being able to interpret the dreams. He doesn't take credit for it. So, Hi, Margaret. How are you? So let's go on. We can go on. We're in chapter 41 now. Um, let's see. I've, I've looked at this, and I think I'd like to have, see if I can get some volunteer to read up through verse 16. Would someone like to read the first 16 verses of chapter 41 in Genesis? Go for, go for it, Paul. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning, his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told him his dreams. But none, there was none, there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Now the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the, body, of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night. He and I, each of us, dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was there with us, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream, and just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. You said through 13? Through, no, through 16. Through 16. No, okay. Then, Joseph sent and, then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. When he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. I have heard it. I have heard, have heard it 
said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Okay, so, that's good. <coughs> so I just want to talk about what we've read for a minute here. Um, first of all, I always like it, and I've learned to kind of key in on these things. When it started off there and said in the, the beginning of the chapter, two full years had passed. So it was two years since the incident with him interpreting the cupbearers and the baker's dreams. Um, but we'll come back to that two years. But anyway, it, it ties down kind of where, where I'm going to ask some questions about how old Joseph was at these different things. So you, we read the description of the dreams. The, I, we probably don't need to go over the description of the dreams too much other than to realize that they were kind of like two separate dreams, but they were similar. Now, if you had been on Pharaoh's court, if you had been one of his magicians and wise men, could you have interpreted these dreams? Well, I think that it's, it's um, the fun thing about this chapter is whenever you read Joseph's interpretation, you end up thinking to yourself, well, yeah, you know, I can see that. Uh, but getting to that interpretation is just, you know, I don't, you know, obviously, Joseph does the right thing when he says, well, it's God that will uh, give the interpretation. Um, so what else is interesting in there? Did you find anything else interesting? Yes. Well, it's a situation, again, of the man trying to manipulate God's doing <clears throat> and it's very fortunate that the man did not tell Pharaoh before the two years because it would not have meant anything to Pharaoh until he had a need good point the timing wasn't right yeah and God always has the right timing and yeah. he'll squelch what we try to yeah. rush ahead of his doing. On, on the other hand you can imagine I mean, I a lot of times put myself in Joseph's shoes, and I think to myself, you know, he was, if I had been in his shoes, I would have, oh, at least daily, probably many times a day, had to sit there and buck myself up by reminding myself, well, I know God has some kind of a plan here. You know, I've, I've not done anything to deserve this kind of treatment. However, talking about the treatment for a little bit, I thought something that was kind of interesting. Um, I found it this time and not other times. Um, verse 10 says, Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Where have we heard this term, captain of the guard? Who is the captain of the guard? Potiphar, right? That's, as a matter of fact, if you go back to where um, Joseph first gets sold, it says he was sold to Potiphar, the captain of the guard. You know, the Pharaoh's captain of the guard. So this prison that he was uh, held in was, it says here, in the house of the captain of the guard. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, what, what's this one down here? Something max. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't this big, huge honker prison for really horrible criminals. It was, a, it was a kind of a genteel prison, right? I mean, I'm not saying it was easy because I'm sure it wasn't. But the point is that it was a prison for the captain of the guard. It was the prison that he had. 
that's, you know, just one of your thoughts about that. Yes. I have a question. Um, do you think, uh, I can't remember, the gifts of the Spirit, was interpretation of dreams, is, do you think that would be considered a gift of the Spirit? That's a good question. I don't think that that one was. That's not included in the I don't New think Testament. that one specifically was. But we ought to talk about gifts. And, and I think one of the things that's interesting to talk about is dreams. But go ahead. I don't know the answer that's to your question. That's just my question. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Because yeah. Yeah. it seems like the only other person I can think of who interpreted dreams was Daniel. Yeah. I can't think of anybody else offhand. Well, so I, I can't either offhand. Um, you, know, you remember that play that was popular here a few years back? It's still, they, they you know, bring it back every now and then. Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I thought that was an interesting title because it's got the two things about Joseph that are most interesting in the title. Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, on this uh, dream, I, I agree with my brother ago when he said that uh, Daniel... But isn't the dreams part of the Egyptian paganistic view of uh, whatever, or life? Well, um, I push back a little bit on that because what other cases are there where we have dreams that have been interpreted, you know, in the Bible that, uh, what, what other cases can you come up with? I can think of a couple. Have you got, did you have something you wanted to say first? Okay. Um, well, you talked about Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, right? Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. Remember, wasn't he the guy that had the dream and says, you're supposed to be so good at this, so tell me what the dream was? I think that was Nebuchadnezzar. There's that. Who else has had dreams that have been interpreted or dreams that have been uh, important in the story? Who? Joe? Jacob. Jacob had the dream. Peter's dream with uh, cloth coming down. That's true. About Abimelech. Didn't Abimelech have a dream about uh, Isaac, I think it was? I think that's right. Yeah. Speaking of the dreams being a gift, he said that he couldn't interpret them. Only God could. Yes. So yes. in a sense, it may not be a permanent gifting. Yes. But at least it certainly was a gift at the moment. Yes, that's a good point. I want to go back to your comment on the house okay. of, the, uh, okay. of the captain of the guard. I don't think that's his personal residence. I think that's probably where he stayed when he was working. Yep. You know, you're probably a, right. You're you probably know, an right. office more than anything else. Yep. I think that the thing that, that, uh, that I appreciate about that more than anything else, that comment, was it shows that Potiphar was still involved with Joseph. And, and whenever, it, it also, it's fuel for this theory that I think we pretty much both agreed, or all agreed on, that uh, when Potiphar was trying to decide what to do with the accusation of Joseph trying to uh, molest his wife, he really knew it was his wife that was lying. And he did what he could do to both save face a little bit for her, uh, but yet make it look like, you know, we don't let this kind of accusation go undealt with. So, I mean, you know, in Potiphar's position, he could, have, uh, he could have done what was expected, which would be, you know, just chop his head off. Or he could have said, well, my wife was lying and let him go on about his business. He chose some kind of middle road 
that gave her some vindication and saved him and allowed him to continue to be of use to Potiphar. Yeah, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. All of that seems to make a lot of sense. David. Aren't we told that um, young men will have visions and old men will have dreams? So I don't <laughs> think we can cast that idea out. No, no. As a matter of fact, I wanted to talk about dreams a little bit. Have any, has anybody had a dream that they felt like was for, from God? Yeah, have you? Yeah. Do you, do, have you? Have they been the kind that you could interpret? Or, or? Yeah, I had my own interpretation of them. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I don't know if that's what it is. And yeah. um, had a couple lately, and it just you just you just hold them, hold on to them, and then yep, things happen. <laughs> yep. I guess my feeling now. This is just me because I you know I think everybody's personal dreams very personal thing, right? Um, I dream. I've, I think uh, science would indicate, would suggest that everybody dreams every night. But the dreams that are from God, you remember. You know, they, they happen to you and, and you wake up like Pharaoh did. You wake up the next morning and you're troubled by them or you're, you remember them. I think I probably remember one out of a hundred dreams that I might have. I don't know. How, does anybody else have any experience having dreams? Uh, yeah. I had these dreams when I was like four they were very vivid uh-huh. and uh, kind of weird. I won't tell you what they are, were, but okay. for a four-year-old, it was pretty scary. But looking back, I always thought it was some kind of message. Yeah. I've never really figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess this whole idea of I had a dream versus I had a dream from God. Who I know another person that had a dream. It was old uh, Balaam. Right? I think Balaam had a dream. Yeah. Wasn't it, um, wh whose wife was it that said that she had a dream? And oh, it was um, Pilate's wife. Pilate's wife. Pilate's yep. wife. Yep. Oh, that was your comment? Yeah, I'll come on, baby. That, that was the one he was going to talk about. <clears throat> Way to do it. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just thought the dreams figure real prominently in Joseph's life, and dreams are, not, are, are fairly common in the Bible. So obviously, they're one way that God gets his message to people. What do you think about the fact that, you know, it was Pharaoh that had the dream, not Joseph? I mean, I guess the, what I get from this, what I get from the examples that we've even talked about is uh, who God gives the dream to is his business, and it serves his purpose, right? And, and we're told about it because we can see how his plan is moved along by this dream being given to this person, obviously, in this case. And uh, what you said about how um, it needed, you know, all of this needed to happen so that Joseph could be where he was, so that he could, and, and the cupbearer could remind the Pharaoh that there's this Hebrew guy that's in prison that might be able to help you with this dream that you're troubled by. I, all this is extremely interesting to me, yeah. Any other thoughts about that? Okay, let's go on. Let's read from verse 17. Joseph has basically told Pharaoh at this point, I can't, dream, I can't interpret your dream, but God can. So would somebody like to read from verse 17 through verse 40? 14? Seven, oh, 17, 17 through 40. 17 through 40. <clears throat> and Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, in my dream, I stood on the bank of the river and saw seven cows coming out of the river, beautiful-looking and fat, and they fed among the reeds. Then saw seven other cows coming 
up after them, poor and very ugly and lean of flesh, so, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Mitzrayim. <laughs> and the lean of flesh and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. Yet when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. Also I looked in my dream and saw seven heads coming up on one stalk, complete and good. Then saw seven heads, withered, lean, scorched by the east wind, coming up after them. And the lean heads swallowed up the seven good heads. And I spoke to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. Elohim has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. It is one dream. And the seven lean and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads scorched by the east wind are seven years of scarcity of food. This is the word which I spoke to Pharaoh. Elohim has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. See, seven years of great plenty are coming in all the land of Mitzrayim. But after them, seven years of scarcity of food shall arise, and all the plenty be forgotten in the land of Mitzrayim. And the scarcity of food shall destroy the land. And the plenty shall not be remembered in the land because of the scarcity of food following, for it is very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the word is established by Elohim, and Elohim is hastening to do it. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Mitzrayim. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint overseers over the land to take up one-fifth of the land of Mitzrayim in the seven years of plenty. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the hand of Pharaoh. And let them keep food in the cities. And the food shall be for a store for the land and for the seven years of scarcity of food, which shall be in the land of Mitzrayim. Do not let the land be cut off by the scarcity of food. And the word was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Could we find another like him, a man in whom is the spirit of Elohim? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since Elohim has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning as wise as you. Be over my house, you yourself, and at, the, and at your mouth all my people shall kiss. And it's a weird phrase. Yes, it is. Only in the throne I am greater than you. Okay. We'll go back and interpret that. I mean, not interpret. We'll go back and talk about all of that. Joe. Wait. Uh, number seven is repeated time after time after time again. And uh, I understood, understand that seven is the perfect number of God. Mm -hmm. You know, seven days. Now, isn't there, I don't know the Hebrew word for it, but uh, as the Sabbath is seven days, also the land is supposed to rest for seven years and that. Yep. So I wonder if that uh, has anything to do with these verses that uh, just been read. Perhaps. Perhaps. Seven is an important number in Scripture, that's true. 
How do you get mad cow disease? Don't one, isn't one cow eating another cow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I've got nothing else to say. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I think these dreams are fascinating. I mean, you know, they, the, when, again, when someone tells you the interpretation, it makes real sense. Like the, the thin, or the fat, sleek. I like that. I don't know some of the uh, adjectives they use. These uh, fat and sleek cows, seven fat and sleek cows come up, and then seven gaunt and emaciated cows come up and eat the fat, fat ones, and they don't even look like they've had anything to eat. And then you have the same situation with the grain, the heads of grain. Yep. Don't forget they were ugly. Ugly, cows. yes, ugly. Not just ugly, yeah. Thin. But what's the first thing out of Joseph's mouth? He says, these two dreams are one and the same, right? He says, the seven fattened sleek cows and the seven full heads of grain are the same. They're, they're seven years. And he says, the seven gaunt and emaciated cows and the seven withered grains are the same thing. They're seven years. And then he goes on and he says, that means there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Then what's the significance of the fact that the dream has been given twice? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. What do you say, John? She said two witnesses establish a thing. Verse 32. And for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because of this thing is established by Elohim. And Elohim will shortly bring to pass. Yes. So the fact that the, the dream is one, the two dreams are one and the same is an indication that this, God's doing this. You know, this is not a maybe. This is going to happen. Right? I thought that was really interesting. And then the other thing he says, I don't know if I can find it exactly, but he basically says, what you should do is embodied in the dream. Right? He says, these dreams are telling you what, you're, what you should do to, to prepare for this. Since we know, because of the dreams, that we're going to have seven years of, of plenty, if you will, then what you need to do, Pharaoh, is take some of that. You know, take what it was, one-fifth, and put it aside so that whenever the seven years of famine come, the country won't be ruined. Marvin. It's interesting. I, I, I guess the seven years were going to be extremely uh, uh, productive. Productive. Yes. Because he, only, he didn't take one-seventh. He took 20% of each yeah. year. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. John? Uh, Joseph Good goes into descriptions of how they did that. They found these big labyrinths and uh, also canals that he used to produce all this extra wealth. Yep. Supposedly. Yep. yep. He had. Uh, what, from what I understand, cisterns dug and uh, play storehouses built. And during the seven years of plenty, he, uh, they had this, you know, heavy tax. But he took all the, all the grain, all the surplus, all the tax, and he stored it. Polly. I think it's interesting that it's mentioned a couple times that he knows the direction of the wind says the scorching east, east wind. wind. That's interesting. Uh -huh. That's wonder, interesting. 
what that means. I, don't, I do too. There's, there's, there's something to that. Yeah. I've heard that to mean that it's wisdom is from the east, comes from the east. Hmm. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, that's right. The Magi came for these. Um, so in verse um, 33, Joseph begins to explain to Pharaoh, look, in case you still need more an understanding of this dream, which, by the way, you ought to get by now from everything I've told you, but if you still need it spelled out for you, it, Joseph said, now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food in these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in cities for food. With this, this food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. I mean, that's, that's quite, the, quite the detailed interpretation, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so is that part of him selling the idea that, this, that he needs to take this seriously? In other words, I mean, he's got all these supposed wise men and people around him that can interpret things for him, and here's this guy out of prison who looks yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> he's not one of us. And, you know, he's, he's obviously impressed with the guy. I'm just wondering if this, it, it's one thing to have, you know, it's like if you can point out somebody's shortcomings, yeah, gee, thanks. Uh -huh. But can you fix those shortcomings? Yeah. Can you present them in a way that he'll accept them? Yeah. And, yeah. and it, you know, I don't want you to tell me about my problems. I want you to tell me, I don't mind you telling me about my problems, but how am I going to fix them? Don't ever come to me with, with a problem without a solution. Right. That's what my so, bosses used to tell me. Right. <laughs> Who needs these bad? What do I yeah. have enough bad news? I yeah, need yeah, more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me how to fix it. <laughs> but you, so you that's what he did here. Yes, yes. Now, you could say he's being sly and set himself up for a job, but I don't know if he believed that at this no, point. No, I don't think he's he did. He's just saying, look, this is, you need to do this. Well, I, and I honestly think this is what God gave him in terms of interpretation, right? This is what the dream means. But you hit on something else I want to come back to in just a second. Margaret? Yeah, it seems like this seven-year thing, this seven-year drought, seven, seven years of plenty, seven years of drought, there's going to be some administration that you're going to have to have to, to administer the program. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much like, like the, um, I don't know, I guess some of us are old enough to remember the, the war, the stamps, the war stamps. Yeah. Where, you know, you have to, you have, to have a, a plan and a program to administer it. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you bet. Paul? So, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant that, and I, I'm sure it was from God, like you mentioned, that he gives him an overview, not the details, but a pretty good overview of what you should do so that you can protect yourself from yeah. the damage of this yeah. family. Well, once, as you were saying, John, once you've bought into the interpretation, then the depth of what's being said here just really goes down, really gets deep. I was going to point out, this is something you mentioned that, that I meant to mention and forgot. In verse uh, uh, 14, so this is, you know, uh, after, Pharaoh, um, after Pharaoh hears from the cupbearer about this uh, Hebrew guy that can interpret dreams, verse 14 says, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. 
when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. So in other words, they didn't bring in this grungy, grody-looking, hairy guy. They, they fixed him up a little bit. Now, you can argue that, well, you'd always want to do that because Pharaoh, you know, he's a, he's a big muckety-muck. You don't want to come in there in your dirty old blue jeans. You know, you want to kind of look nice. But uh, it's interesting. It says it here. And that was, again, something that would make it easier for the Pharaoh to accept what this guy was saying. You know, he wasn't some hippie dude that had been doing too much drugs or something. You know, he was a reasonable kind of guy. Yeah, I think, I think I'd have to disagree with John that he wasn't just some weird guy. He was a very handsome, good-looking guy. That's a good point. That, That's a good point. That, you know, with a cleanup, mm -hmm. wow, he yeah. must have wowed him. Yeah, they, they shaved him and changed his clothes. I think that's kind of interesting. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. Do you guys have something, Paul? Joe? Well, you said you're going to talk more about it later, so I'm yeah. not going to get into it. Okay. I might be getting a little bit ahead of you, Jerry. Well, now, um, that's something you do often. He's talking about, uh, he, he said uh, in uh, verse 31, God has made me forget all of my hardship and all of my father's household. Well, uh, he has made me forget all my hardship. I was thinking about Job. We're, we're not down there yet, though. Well, that's why I said that okay. I'm a little bit ahead of you. Okay. Why don't you wait till we get down there, then you can, we'll talk about that, okay? John? Maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought there was sort of a challenge between uh, God saying to Pharaoh, you know, you need to bow down to me or something like that. Something no, no. Where you're getting that from is the Moses and the Pharaoh. There was lots of challenges between Moses and the Pharaoh. Because I thought that was this here too. Maybe no, yeah. no. But that's, that does lead right into what I want to talk about. If we read on, you know, and... Uh, well, he says it here, Pharaoh, verse 39. Pharaoh said to Ju Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Now, in my Bible, that God is capital G. What's the word that's in Hebrew there? Elohim, right? It's Elohim. 39. Verse 39. I'm sure it's Elohim. Okay. Elohim sometimes means God with a capital G, and sometimes it means God's. Right? Now, because this makes it look like Pharaoh was a believer. Now, he may have been some kind of somewhat a little believer, but he, uh, I don't think he said, you know, I don't think he was saying, um, since your God, the creator God of the universe, you know, has made this known to you, you're the smartest guy around. I think what he said is, well, the gods, have, the gods have obviously blessed you with the ability to interpret, to interpret dreams, so maybe we should listen to you. I guess I, I'm, I'm making, I want to propose to you uh, that we discuss the fact that, do you suppose Pharaoh believed in God through this? Well, I, he believed in it way more than the Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph or the Pharaoh that was, well, fair point. was working with that Moses. was there with Moses. Yep, that's a fair point. In fact, in history, I think the one that Moses in, was dealing with was the, the scorpion king, uh, uh, Pharaoh, or something. Like that. Completely, they were overthrown by the time uh -huh. uh, <clears throat> Moses came around. The, okay. the, the, 
the, the Egyptians. They were they changed. Yeah, yeah, things had changed immensely. Right. Yeah. They're different people. Diff yeah. So these might even be Semites. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. This uh, pharaoh may have been a Semite. Yeah. Well, what we're, what we're seeing is a track record that pharaoh's chief bodyguard, a uh, guy who's in charge of the prison, and pharaohs see that, wait a minute, there's something unique about this Hebrew guy, and he has the favor of his God or his Elohim. Yep. Now, whether or not that means that they believe in him or just believe in him, adding him to the list of their deities that they already worship, mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. But well, there's evidence there. That yeah. I think, I, I, this is just my opinion, but I think that uh, Pharaoh being Pharaoh, and also Pharaoh knowing all about the gods of Egypt, you know, he was supposed to kind of be one, right? I think he looks at this and he says, man, if nothing else, this guy is really sharp. And he has given credit to, as you say, his God in terms of the ability to interpret this dream. This pretty, and I don't know, maybe even uh, Potiphar has told him what a great administrator this guy is. You know, so um, there's all kinds of reasons for Pharaoh to look upon him uh, favorably or positively and even give some sort of, uh, you know, lip service to his God. That's kind of what I think is going on. But I could be wrong. Were you going to say something, Marvin? No, I was. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. <coughs> wrong, wrong, Marvin. Uh, also, this seems to be a uh, good point of instruction for our lives because when things are going well, it's a good idea to save and not sprint, spend as we're prone to do beyond our means, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you never really know when scarcity is going to hit. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So the, what follows the Trump years or the cows that eat other cows or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so starting in verse 39... Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. That's a, uh, a pretty big promotion in one day. You know, right? Being draw dragged out from a dungeon and shaved and squirted with a garden hose and get a new suit of clothes and interpreting a dream, and the next thing you know, you're the number two guy in Egypt. So you want me to move out of the prison, or what? <laughs> yeah. Elijah's got something he wants to say. The, this position they, they talk about is vizier or viceroy, the number two guy. Yeah. Number two guy. Number two Basically, guy. Pharaoh just wants him for information. Well, my see, he kind of want, and some at least half of it's because he wants for information on dreams. Okay, now that's not a bad that's not a bad uh, assumption, except that Pharaoh says um, there is no one so discerning and wise as you, and so it's not just the fact that he can interpret dreams. He also values his wisdom. That's what makes me think that Potiphar has probably said, you know, I put this guy in charge of my house, and man, stuff started going really good. 
that's, except, except that's, for that little deal with my wife. Yeah. As I said, basically, he's going to use him for information in a way. He's going to use him for his ability. That, I'll buy that. Yes. Well, it's a little bit more than that because he gives him authority over Egypt. And so if it's just a matter of using him for information, he can say, you stay here, you become one of my wise men, and I'll call you when I need you. Yeah. But to appoint him as second in command over Egypt, to where he has the chariot, the robe, the signet ring, and yeah. all the authority, yeah. then that's a little bit more yeah. of a statement well, saying, I have to agree I'm going to trust you with everything else yep I have to agree with that I don't, I don't know if I miss this but the Pharaoh at this time is nothing like the Pharaoh in later years in that, terms of political power yep that's what John was saying reach, go ahead control yep um, it's a good lesson that if you can know the future you can get a massive power up <laughs> because, good point because he you know he gets this control over all the regions where there currently were rulers that had quite a bit of power and wealth and ownership of land and so forth. And this is what makes the Pharaoh really, you know, the kind of world power yeah. of that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. As a matter of fact, this allows him to, like you say, put in place all the necessary taxation so that he can maintain his uh, wealth and his power. Yeah. Well, in a more positive way of looking at it, he's, he, he recognizes good men around him and he delegates yes. a lot of authority yes. to them. Right. It's not like, another kind of similar point, it's not like we think of the vice president now. Those are almost a figurehead position. But in this case, it was like, you know, the, 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 the pharaoh walked away from a lot of things. Yeah. So he really, and it wasn't just advice. It was whatever you say to do and execute out to do, do it. Yeah. So it was a lot of power. It was, of absolutely, it was a lot of power. But you can kind of see, well, maybe, I don't know. You can kind of see why Pharaoh would be inclined to do this. But it's still, it, it, to me, it, it uh, harkens back to the stuff that uh, Joseph did when he was working for Potiphar. Because, uh, you know, number one, it was a good training ground for him. And number two, I'm sure that didn't go unnoticed. Certainly, it didn't go unnoticed by Potiphar. Well, when the good times are rolling, the, the, the people in power like to, you know, spend money on their, on their what, what do they call that, cronyism. They, yeah. Cronyism gives them power. Yeah. And he's preventing them from doing that. He's saying, you need to store up a big chunk of this every year into storehouses. Yeah. I'm sure if it was so good, he's still going to be able to spread the wealth around it. Be, yeah. I don't know. I, yes. So I guess the question would be, which dungeon is Potiphar's wife in right now? <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to go there. Did you have something, Marvin? Well, I, I was just going to say this story is getting ready to take an interesting twist. I mean, mm -hmm. yep. Pharaoh is not near as benevolent as he seems right now. No, no, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, we're going to talk about that. You're right. Yep. Okay, well, let's go on. Would somebody like to read from verse 41 to the end of chapter 41? Alfonso. <laughs> Did you say 41? <laughs> and then 41? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Pharaoh said to Yosef, See, I have appointed you over all the land of Mitzrayim. And Pharaoh took his silver ring off 
his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he dressed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow of the knee. And he appointed him over all the land of Mitzrayim. And Pharaoh said to Yosef, I am Pharaoh, and without you let no man lift his hand or foot in all the land of Mitzrayim. And Pharaoh called Yosef name Tachnaphaneah, and he gave him as a wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Yosef went on over all the land of Mitzrayim. Now Yosef was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, sovereign of Mitzrayim. And Yosef went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Mitzrayim. And in the seven years of plenty, the ground brought forth generously. And he gathered all the food of the seven years in which were in the land of Mitzrayim and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them. Thus, Yosef gathered very much grain as the sand of the sea until he ceased counting, for it was without number. And Yosef were born two sons before the years of scarcity of food came, when Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. And Yosef called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for Elohim has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for Elohim has caused me to bear fruit in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenty which were in the land of Mitzrayim came to an end, and the seven years of scarcity of food began to come. And Yosef has said, All the scarcity of food was in all lands, but in all the land of Mitzrayim there was bread. But when all the land of Mitzrayim hungered, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, Pharaoh said, Go to all the Mitzrites, go to Yosef, do whatever he says to you. And the scarcity of food was over all the face of the earth, and Yosef opened all the storehouses and sold to the Mitzrites, and the scarcity of food was severe in the land of Mitzrayim. And all the earth came to Yosef and Mitzrayim to buy grain, because the scarcity of food was severe in all the earth. Okay, great. Um, several things we can look at here that'll be interesting. So, going back to verse 41, Pharaoh says, uh, I hereby put you in charge of, my, of the whole land. And he gives him his signet ring and um, puts him in fine robes, puts a gold chain around his neck and has him ride around in a chariot saying, bend the knee, bow the knee, right? Now, what, what was the purpose of that? Yes. Kind of like a modern day rapper, maybe? Rapper? You know, rap star, music star. Uh, no? No, I'm I don't, sorry. No, okay, I don't I, think I, so. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, gold chain and the chariot. I think. Well, the the ring was to buy to buy the things to to store in the storage. The, the ring it was his signet ring. Right, his credit Whatever. card. Yeah, he had, the, he had the Pharaoh's credit card. That's well, he had the Pharaoh's credit card. Plus, he had the Pharaoh's signature card. So when he says he said, for example, everybody has to pay twenty percent of everything they make, and he uses the signet ring. It's law. It's, it's, it's as if Pharaoh said it. Yep. Joe. Yeah, I think it was the ring and the, the final end was the uh, uh, authority. Pharaoh's given him authority to do all this. And to, uh, it's like a, uh, it's like Trump giving his generals orders. You know, they are to follow the letter, 
But I think it was an authority that uh, Pharaoh was given to Joseph. Yep. Absolutely. So what was the function of riding around in the chariot? What was the purpose of that? To show him, to show him to the whole land that he's an authority? Well, kind of. I was likening it to the 5 o'clock news. I mean, you know, this is a pretty unusual thing, having this guy that was a slave one day, and now he's, uh, he's number two guy in Egypt, and he's going to run around giving orders and telling people to do things and levying taxes and all that. I mean, I'm he sure there's a fair that. number of people that are going to look at him and say, and not only that, he's not very old either. And he's going to say, who died made you king, so to speak, you know? So the purpose of it was to make sure that everybody knew that this was Pharaoh's guy and that what he said went. Right. Yeah. So I had a, a comparison to Judah. Remember Judah had three things? Yes. That he gave up. And here, if you want to look at it, you have... The signet, the signet ring was one ring, of them. The yep. gold and the fine linen. So Judah's was a, uh, a signet ring, if you the will. A rod. A rod and a cord. Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. They're all, again, very personal items. Did you have something? Go ahead. Okay. I'm, I thought I was the only one that did that stuff. I think it's important for us to remember a really important statement that's made here. Verse 52. The second son he named Ephraim, and he said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my, what did yours say? Who, who was reading yours said what? Affliction. Mine says suffering. So think of just like what happened to Joseph, he was sent away. Yep. It's not his home territory that the promised land is. He's in a different land. Yep. And so, like captivity, because he was taken captive. So what has happened in the name of Ephraim is what we're seeing happening to us. Yep. So literally, you know, we say we're Ephraim, but what his name means is happening to us. We've been fruitful in this place of our outcast. Yep, that's a good point. John? Well, no, Pat, oh. Pat was first. Pat was first. Yes, she was. I think it's interesting that the, when, when Yahweh asks us to do something, he always provides what we need for it. So the vehicle that he was given gave him clout, but it also expedited him to be able to execute what he needed to do more expediently. Yep. Just another comparison, or in this case, contrast with Judah. When Judah did the thing that he did, he was like embarrassed, and he kind of had someone else do it for him. He was secret, and he didn't, you know, didn't yeah. care about it. But this was very open. In contrast, yeah. Joseph is, you know, he's, he's being shown off in, this, in his... Yep, yep. It's a very his, public thing. The big limo. And yeah. So. I know what I was wanting to say. Um, I don't think the normal Egyptians knew he was Hebrew. I think he was dressed as an Egyptian, ah. and they had no idea who he was. Yeah. He could have been a member of the family. Yep. 
Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, I think there might have been a little of that that went on in this when they shaved and gave him clean clothes. Uh, yeah, because you know, the, the ruling class in Egypt dressed and looked very different than, certainly than a slave. Yeah. You know, going back to um, that God uh, made him proof of, just looking at uh, Job 42, where, where it says in uh, 42.12, Ask him, bless Job in, Job's end more than he blessed his beginning. And then it tells, uh, the scriptures tells us uh, 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 pairs. Well, that's more than what he started with. Yeah. So the word fruitful is a plural word. It's not a singular. It's a known, uh, like uh, winning the, the lottery several times, you know, far and beyond. Okay. Okay. I wonder if he had had his eye on Potiphar's daughter and asked if he might have her when he was in that. Yeah, there, that's very matter of fact. Let's talk about that for a few minutes because, you know, the, it's, it's the very second thing that happens to him right after he, uh, he gets run around in the, in the cart and everything. Um, He says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, but without the word from you, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. And Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath paneah and gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priestess of On, to be his wife. Yeah, I think, I mean, he might, he might have done that, but I think it was kind of like, well, anybody that's going to have this kind of position needs a wife. And she needs to be a wife of uh, you know, of the ruling class. And the daughter of a priest of On probably fit that. So I think it was more of a case of, uh, here, this is your wife now. Now, one of the things that I think we need to remember, and then this, well, we'll talk about this some more as we finish the story, but Joseph's still a slave, right? You know, he, um, as a matter of fact, there are several times in here where you can ask yourself, well, why didn't he just go home? Well, he can't go home. This is home. You know, he's, he might, he, he's still a slave. Pharaoh elevated him to this position, but it's, it's like, uh, you know, you don't, this is your position for life. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, if you look at it in the preparation, that's why this is such a great story. I mean, here's this teenager, this kid sold into slavery, He's still a slave, but the authority and the, the, the blessing that Yah has over him is recognized by everyone that's around him. Yeah. And in terms of the preparation from this young kid who could, in the worst case scenario, be called immature, uh, to now he's over Potiphar's house, now he's put into prison, he's forgotten about for a couple of years, but he's still in authority, now he's brought out, now he's second in command. That preparation took, what, 10, 15 well, we're years? We're going to figure it out in oh, just a minute. Okay. Exactly. Right. But no, right. that's a good one. And this is where your comment, Joe, comes in about uh, Manasseh, which means God has made me forget. So by virtue of what's happened to Joseph, he has forgotten about his past life, about his family and everything. He hasn't really forgotten. 
but he knows that his this is now his new one. Well, I I would have to disagree with you on hand on that point. Being uh, he was still a slave, it's like uh, soldiers in uh, Korea, which I barely missed when I was a young man. That uh, they had a chance to uh, go back to America and they choose to stay. Is it's a psychological thing that uh, Joseph most likely forgot his uh, past life. Although he remembered his father and uh, maybe his experience when he was uh, captured and sold to the what made you? Th what makes you think he forgot? Well, through the years, psychologically, if you live in a place, if, say like you're a young man, okay. Okay, you live in a place and you're that, you take on their culture, you take on their language, okay. and you, you forget about your past. Okay. Sure, some what. things you'll remember. Like he remember his dad and his brother, and I'm sure he grew for his okay, father. I, let's, but, that's fine. I was going to say, let's hold this, because you and I can respectfully disagree, and I'll bring up some things that are going to happen in the future here that'll make me believe I'm more correct in thinking he hasn't forgotten about his, his past life at all. You know? John? Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of a little bit in alignment with Joseph is about his understanding of Joseph in the name of Manasseh. Similar to the opposite of what, what uh, Mark said about Ephraim, you know, it, it, part of the metaphor here is that Joseph is the house of Israel. And, you know, he's, we don't recognize him for being who he really is. The world doesn't recognize him for being like the house of Israel, uh, being who he is. And, and, and so it's, Manasseh is, it describes it that way. He doesn't know, you know, he's, he's hidden. The house of Israel is hidden amongst the Gentiles kind of thing. Okay. That's one way I, I would well, interpret it. I have to admit that's a, good, that's a good support for him. I don't mind standing up for all, against all you guys. That's okay. We'll, we'll talk more as we finish the story. Yeah. Well, and he was given a, he was given a, a different name, too. Yes. Kind of like Daniel. Does anybody know what uh, Zephanopanea means? Treasury of the glorious rest. Ah, that's what you have. It, that's what Strong says. I have no less than six different possible definitions, but my favorite one, let me see if I got it here. I mean, one of them is the one who furnishes the nourishment of life. I don't care for that. The God who speaks or lives, and then the revealer of secrets. I kind of thought that was pretty good. But then I had another one here. He who explains what is hidden. I thought that was great. I think it's pretty clear from looking this one up that nobody really knows what Zephanath Panea means. <laughs> and, and I would also agree with uh, Brother Joe here that usually when you go somewhere and you're young and you start, you know, you're living your adult life, you kind of look at your youth as something mm -hmm. in the past. Yeah. And, and probably where you're going to go is the comeback when you go back. You get to a certain point in your life, when you come back to it, then you realize, well, I belong there. But then you've already changed because you, yeah, changed, yeah. you changed to your environment a lot yeah. of times. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, the fact that I made a big deal about that Joseph can't go back, um, some of the reason he can't go back is, is that is because he literally can't go back. How long, has he, how long has it been 
since his brothers sold him into slavery. 13 years. Because it says he was 30 here, and he was 17 when they threw him in the pit. Hey. Um, I was reading in Jasher 46, uh-huh. and it said even that the queen that kept coming after him, even after he was thrown in the king's house, she still came daily trying to get him, and he was still putting off, say, I can't do this. Potiphar's because. wife? Yeah. <laughs> and so... Instead of, <laughs> thought, we could we could write a television series about that one, couldn't we? <laughs> so thinking that, and he kept saying he couldn't do it because of Elohim, his God would not allow him. I, yeah, I don't think we can say he forgot about his. He didn't forget about God. Oh, well, that's for sure. Yep, yep. And even at the at the very end, it says, um, "And the butler to whom jo- Joseph had interpreted his dream forgot Joseph." And he did not mention him to the king as he had promised, for this thing was from Yahuwah in order to punish Joseph because he had trusted in man. So he was trusting in that the, the, the baker to come forth rather than God. So Joseph remained after this in prison, the prison house two years until he completed 12 years. That's their interpretation. Okay, that, I was going to say, I'm, I could... I. Um... I respectfully disagree with that, but that's neither here nor there. Yes. Well, when Joseph, when he was young and living with his family, he he really wasn't, maybe he was, I don't know, maybe you could explain. He wasn't really involved with the family work of the shepherding. Mm -hmm. His brothers did that. Yep. Because his father would send him out to check on him. him. Yeah. And uh, so he, it seems like the brothers were out doing the work. And he was at home with Jacob. Yeah, he was learning, already. Yep, he, uh, he had already been promoted to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. I don't think he. He definitely didn't forget that. No. Well, you know, <laughs> so the, I, I the was thinking he had, but uh, another thing that he did whenever we were talking about the time he was in prison, and whenever he interpreted the cupbearer's dream, and he said. When you get raised to your position, remember me to Pharaoh. And he went through a little explanation of how, you know, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. I was stolen from my family. I've done nothing to, be, to deserve this, and I don't belong here. Which, to me, indicates that he still felt strongly about the fact that, uh, you know, he wanted to go home. You know, he'd, now, the thing is, is when you put yourself in Joseph's position and you want to go home, man, your brothers aren't who you want to see. Right? What he wants to go home, he wants to go see his dad and maybe maybe Benjamin, but boy, none of the rest of those yo-yos. He doesn't want to see those guys. And, you know, and he, he's had to spend this whole 13 years trying to come to grips with the fact that they hated him so bad they did this. Yeah, as far as he knows, they sold him, but even though the, the interpretation could have been that they, they pulled him, the Midianites, whoever, pulled him out of the ground, and it wasn't yep. actually them that did it. Yep. They, you know, they were thinking about it kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, it's also, like you said, it's also like Jacob. He didn't want to go back. Yeah. He stood there, you know, he's the one that came up with the deal. I'll work seven years for, for, yeah. for Rachel. Yeah. For Rebecca, I mean. Um, also, I, 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 I think I know where you're coming from as far as, you know, you can ask the question, oh, he's got all this power. Why doesn't he just go deal with his, yeah. send a, an emissary, uh, uh, whatever, to go yeah, to send- deal with his... 
Then the le- a legion of an Egyptian soldiers go bring him back. Right, yeah. something like that. And I yeah. think it's. Well, I think you're, it could very well be his legal status is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, st- I I can only do what I'm told to do. I'm given a whole bunch of things I can do. Yeah. But it's d- well defined what that is. Yeah, I don't think he's got as much power as as our first thought might be. Yeah. Yeah. There's that's a good way to put it. Power, but not freedom. Yes. I think that because Joseph did not have a mom, mm-hmm. neither Benjamin, I think because dad played probably both of those roles somehow in their life, that he probably was a little bit more protective of the boys, and I think the boys probably had a closer relationship with their father because of that, well, because that of their mother missing, yep. where the other brothers had a mom. Yep. They had that connection that was missing in Joseph's life. Yep. That's true, but we also talked about how Jacob made no effort to hide the fact that Rachel was his preferred wife. And so Rachel's kids were the kids that could do no wrong. And all these other kids, all these other kids were kind of like, well, okay. And that was, that was the one thing that most people find fault with Jacob for. Yep. I'm looking at you, bud. Oh, I think there's a difference between accepting your lot in life and forgetting. Accepting that, okay, you're here. You're being blessed while you're here. You're serving here. Is there a purpose that God brought you here? And if you try to run away from whatever that purpose is, are you shortchanging your purpose for being here? And then, like you say, what was his home life like anyway? What was he going to go back to? Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of forgetting. I think it's recognizing that, okay, I'm here, and Yah is blessing me. Well, you you know, haven't it, forgot the God of your forefathers. It, it so, could even be that he heard from God or felt from God that, you know, being removed from the prison and given this job was a significant blessing, obviously. And, and that blessing... The, the, uh, the right response to that blessing was then to do that job, right? That's what God had him do. Joe. Yeah, you made uh, the mention that uh, uh, Joseph only had partial authority. No, we said freedom. Huh? Freedom. He freedom? Only had... Well, okay, freedom. But uh, Pharaoh told him that uh, you shall be in charge of my palace. And then down here later on, when the people went to Pharaoh for bread, he said, he go, said see Joseph. go over to Joseph. Yep. So that's all the authority or power that Joseph yep. had. But freedom was what we said he may not have. Yeah. Well, freedom to do else. What else? You know, he didn't have, well, we don't, I don't want to beat the horse. It's about dead now. <laughs> I just want to say that it isn't just Joseph's being blessed. The whole world is going to be saved because yes. of his works. He's yes. literally, and, and like the Messiah in that sense, he's literally saving the whole world. Yeah. Well, you know, when you think about that, it's often kind of, um, I shouldn't say often, it's dawned on me more than once that when it finally became apparent to Abraham that his role in God's plan, uh, you know, essentially was to go through, you know, to have Isaac and go through the things he went through with Isaac. And, and basically this, 
Um, I'm going to, the world's going to be blessed through you and all this land is going to, you know, the, the promise that God made to, to Abraham wasn't going to happen for many generations and he wasn't going to live to see it. Now, well, and that finally dawned on him. And maybe what this is, is the same thing. Maybe Joseph is finally beginning sees, to realize that my role here is to play a part in this big plan. Right. There's something bigger than just me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wanda has a comment. Go ahead, Wanda. The other end. The to forget has more to do with the pain and suffering, not so much about his family and all that kind of stuff. It's about his pain, so he can move forward and do the task God called him to do. Okay, if I understood what she says, it, it, she, uh, he hasn't forgotten his family. He's forgotten the pain. He's forgotten, the, he's forgotten what his, well, he's certainly forgiven what his brothers did to him, right? We'll find that out at the end. So, okay. All right. Well, let's go on. Let's, well, let's see. Joe has one more thing. You can thank Wanda. I'm, I'm kind of confused here because it says the famine was in Egypt. Then later on, uh, when famine was all over the world. So I take it as that the famine started in Egypt and spread throughout all okay. the world. Um, I read something on that that I thought was kind of interesting. From... From the perspective of the writers of this, the world at that time would have existed of Egypt and maybe, you know, Libya, Ethiopia and Sudan, and then over to the Arabian Peninsula and up through Phoenicia and Syria, maybe as far as Turkey. But that, that was pretty much the world, right, to them. Because they didn't know anything about Europe, they didn't know anything about Asia, they didn't know anything about Southern Africa, they didn't know anything about those places. So that world would probably be the world that had the famine. And yeah, I could, I could see it being the entire world. Beg your pardon? Fertile Crescent, yeah. Fertile. Middle East, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Okay, so what, I mean, it's fun to think about also um, Joseph and his Egyptian wife, right? You know... All of us who view ourselves as uh, uh, Ephraimites, we're only half Hebrew. We're half right? Egyptians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naphtilian, half. Oh, wait a minute, Naphtilian isn't. Naphtilian. That, uh, that was one of the things I always like to bring this point up anytime I can, and that is that God makes it real clear that He is really a fan of adoption, right? If you want to be adopted into His family, He welcomes you with open arms. And to some degree, he even values that more than he does the natural born, his natural born, because they've actually, you know, the adopted ones have made the decision, right? They've said, I know what's available out there, and I choose you, like uh, what Ruth said. I want your people to be my people and your God to be my God, right? Anyway, there's some other stuff I wanted to, oh, let's see. There's a movie that was out. We all went to see it here a couple of years ago, and it's available Oh, I'm sure you can find it on the internet somewhere um, called Patterns of Evidence, uh, Exodus. And it's got plenty to say about Joseph. Joseph is, is fairly likely historically um, supportable. You know, a lot of modern academia likes to point a lot of these Bible characters out and say, yeah, yeah there's no... Other than the Bible, there's no indication that this person ever lived or that this ever happened. 
But you can find uh, historical evidence in, the, in Egypt that someone like Joseph probably existed and probably did many of the things that, uh, that are talked about here. I thought that was kind of interesting. That movie was very meaningful to me, so I wanted to bring it up just because Patterns of Evidence was a pretty, pretty good thing to watch on. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on uh, Netflix or someplace like that. Let's see what else I want to say. I have more trouble with him marrying a priestess than good I point. Mean, than an Egyptian. That's a very good point. Let's talk about that for a minute because the what would be the worry normally? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be the same worry that did Solomon in right that that uh, or Ahab. The fact that uh, he might end up letting his wife handle his, uh, his, take over his spiritual role and lead him down the wrong direction. On the other hand, if anybody has been through the school of hard knocks in terms of relationship with God, it was Joseph, right? I mean, you, it's really fun, I think, not fun, instructional to think, how, how must he have felt when he was in the bottom of that pit with his brothers there, you know, they were, they were seriously considering just killing him. Decided, no, 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 we won't kill him. We'll sell him a life, lifetime of slavery. Ha, 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 that'll be a much better deal, you know? And boy, that must, and he had, to, he had to deal with that for 13 years. And he had to figure out, you know, why they did it and what the cause was. He had to come to grips with his part in it. You know, did, did what he did, he know, he must have known, you know, did, did that play into this and how much did it play into it and all kinds of things. So, yes. So the, uh, uh, it talked about how um, this, uh, she's a priestess and the city of On. Mm-hmm. So if you remember, I don't know, it was within the last two or three months, I spoke about this Isaiah 19:18 scripture it says in that day five cities in the land of Egypt will be speaking the language of Canaan or Hebrew swearing allegiance to the Lord of hosts one of the cities will be called the city of destruction that's the city of On oh, really it's called uh, uh, Heliopolis Heliopolis I remember that this yeah. is where all the obelisks came from okay. now you know why there was priests and priestess there yeah this is where all that worship to that the, the obelisks were Devoted to that, the, the god Ra. Yeah, the sun god. Yeah. Heliopolis would have been city of the sun. So, yep. Yep. Yes, sir. Um, didn't they just throw him in the well and who found him? Just take him? From what I remember, they just threw him in the well and left. Uh, I, I, is there a question there? Let me let, explain me. Yes. What? Didn't they just throw him in the well and the other people just took him? Or did they sell him? Because I remember. There was, there was a lot of discussion about that. Um, there were parts of his family that wanted to come back and pull him out of the well. There was parts of his family that wanted to kill him. And there was parts of his family that thought it would be just fine to just sell him to the slave traders. Yeah. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Margaret. Um, uh, I was just going to say that uh, I, think it, I think his wife would have seen the things that he dreamed of, his uh, promotions, all this stuff. And, and it, it appears like just him naming the boys what he did, pretty much he probably, Joseph probably had her on his side. Yes. As far as the spiritual part of it. Yes. I, I think it's And raising much, his kids yeah, and, I think and believing and believing that, you know, he's he's got some he's got he's got power, he's got wealth, he's got he's got all these things because of his, his mighty God. one. Yeah, yeah. He um it's more likely that his wife would be influenced by his life and his character probably than the other way around. I mean if uh, he had been able to uh resist Potiphar's wife, these many, many times, I'm sure that, uh, you know, he was pretty, he was pretty, pretty straight up guy. I have two comments. One is that his wife would have had to have known that he was not Egyptian, that he was a Hebrew. Yep. Um, I also always question whether his sons were circumcised because I can't ever remember reading that they were that they were but, or it's not documented if they were yeah so wondered about that that's and that's then, a yeah, we'll never know of course because there's but right. he he would have known because of his um education with his father, but whether or not he did it, it's hard to say right, and so that's why I kind of thinking. In, in Joe's comment about forgetting who he was, it seems like he would have had to have explained to his wife, you know, a few things about his past and yep. where he came from. Yep. I'm just kind of thinking. I'd also like to read a little bit in Psalms, if that's okay. It oh, has absolutely. to do with about this particular portion we're reading. Um, let's see. Maybe I'll just start with, uh, 105.16, he called down a famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food, and he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles, his neck was put in irons, till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proven him true. The king sent and released him, the ruler of people set him free, he made him master of his household, ruler over all, his, all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. When Israel entered Egypt, Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. The Lord made his people very fruitful. He made them too numerous for their foes, whose hearts he turned to hate his people and conspire against his servants. Interesting how... The father had this, orchestrated this whole plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. It is great, yeah. So Polly talks about how the, Joseph's wife, she's um, probably thinking about, you know, your past and all these things. One of the interesting things about the Egyptians that they hated about the Hebrews was that they were, Shepherds. Yeah. Remember, they loathed the thought. Yeah. 
So I wonder, you know, you oftentimes fly on the wall listening to comments, negative comments that she was making about your family, the shepherds, (laughs) how disgusting. Yeah. And, you know, some of those things probably was, was, you know, in there in their private moments. So, yeah, yeah, something was probably there. Yep. Oh, yeah. In general, the only thing we have here is her name and who she was. You know, that is a a daughter of a priest, a sun god-worshiping priest. I have a favorable opinion of her. She seems like she was uh, a pretty good wife for Joseph. She bore him those two sons and... And in general, didn't seem to cause him to err one way or the other. But that's that's no proof. It's just. I have a side note here. It is a strong. Uh, she adopted Joseph's spiritual and moral outlook to be the only Jew in Egypt who, yet to raise children who remain a model after whom Jewish parents blessed their children. Yeah. He wasn't Jewish, but that's neither here nor there. No, no, I, that, that just shows who wrote that book because, you know, uh, Joseph was not Jewish, Jewish. I didn't say Joseph was a Jew. I was talking about Joseph's wife. That she adopted Joseph, Joseph's spiritual and moral outlook to be the only Jew. Now, wait, okay, the only Jew. Whenever you use the word Jew, you're talking about a descendant of Judah who's back home. Right now, you know, I'm just reading with uh, that's my point. My point is, is the guy that wrote that book obviously thinks that Judaism, Jews and Hebrews are the same thing. I would I I don't mean to pick and I'm don't get me wrong, but I would have used the word Hebrew and not the word Jew. Oh, uh, somebody mentioned circumcision. I don't know who. Yep. Was that Polly? In Joshua five. It says uh, that when before they entered the land, they the, the children of Israel were circumcised because while they were in the desert, nobody had been circumcised. That up until the people who left Egypt were circumcised. So I would think that uh, Joseph had his son circumcised, and they carried on down through the time of the Exodus. I suppose. I, I guess it, you could also. It, it, does says, it, yeah. it doesn't say specifically. It just says while they were in the desert, they didn't circumcise. It doesn't right. say while they were in Egypt, they didn't circumcise. Uh, well, it says, uh, and this is why Yehoshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Mitzrayim who were males, all the men of battle had died in the wilderness. Oh, that's not For all the people who came out had been circumcised, Ah. But all the people who were born in the wilderness on the way, as they came out of Mitzrayim, had wow. not been circumcised. Okay. That's that's so. Surprising. It seems like they yep. kept the custom of circumcision up uh, until they left. Yeah, that which surprises me. That makes yeah. little sense. But but I, I I can't deny what it says. I said that surprises me because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But you can't deny what it yeah. says. Yeah. Your pardon. There. There is a reasonable understanding that they understood that Moses was a Hebrew. Baby Moses was a Hebrew. Good point. So they must that, have been... To, to, to that, and I don't want to get too sidebarred here, but the reason I would argue that they weren't circumcised in the desert is because with after, after 18 months, the whole service of ritual service shut down. God had essentially divorced them. 
you guys are going to sit here for 38 years until your carcass rots in the <laughs> desert. Yeah, I'm not doing anything with you in a, in a spiritual sense. Yeah. You, you're in, you know, that's how I would interpret yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. It's, this is a, that's a definite, I mean, I appreciate the point. It's a definite sidetrack. I think we'll move on. Are there, actually, <clears throat> we're about done anyway. Are there any other comments about this last part of Joseph being in charge of Egypt and him having his uh, two kids and the famine beginning to start and Joseph, you know, everybody goes to Pharaoh and says, we're hungry, where can we get food? And Pharaoh says, go see Joseph, right? Any other thoughts? Any, any other final? Mark has something, which is good. Since I ask, I do. <laughs> we may have somebody new listening online, okay. so most everyone here has heard me say this. So it's a global famine. How's Jacob and all the rest of the sons determining the feasts? How are they determining the feast? Mm -hmm. Is it by barley? <laughs> no, because there isn't any, right? I mean, if, if they are, they're having a very difficult time. No barley growing. Yeah. So probably so, no. Okay. Probably so, not using barley. Yeah. So the point being is, uh, it's probably let's see, that's a strong indicator that using the heavenly bodies for the purpose that they were designed, that is signals and signs and times, would be the better way to determine seasons than by when some crop uh, ripens. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of which. Yes. The, the Hebrew word for corn, where is that? That's the, the heads of the wheat or whatever it is, the grain, back in the dream. Yeah. That would be... Uh, Guess what the Hebrew word is? I have no idea. It's like bar. It, what? Bar. Fritos? Not Fritos. <laughs> it's, it's bar. So you could... You know, we played this game at Uri's class. Where did Hebrew, English words comes from? English word is, English is a confused Hebrew language. Okay. So bar, if, if the, the interpretation is the bar, it's bar. Bar. Was the Hebrew word for the corn. Okay. But could it be barley? Could barley come from that Hebrew word? Could be. But this is what your point was about as far as the, determining the calendar by the barley. That doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, this has been fun. Next week, it's better, I've, although I've enjoyed this <clears throat> because we get to figure out all the uh, messing around that Joseph goes through dealing with his brothers when his brothers are trying to get food. So it's, we'll figure it out because it all makes a lot of sense. Everything he did was, was perfectly reasonable. Any uh, final thoughts? Okay, I'll close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the evening. Thanks for this story. Um, thanks for the things that we can get out of this by just thinking about Joseph and the uh, feelings he had, the things he went through. Um, certainly there's some issues and questions about what was going on. We may not be right about everything, but help us to think about these things as we go through a week and, and to just think about them from your perspective. Think about uh, the things that you'd like us to know about them. And I just thank you so much for these stories. It's such a comforting thing to know that these stories are part of your Torah and that they're there to teach us things. Just help us to learn them. Keep us safe as we move through the week. 
In Yahushua's name, amen. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot.